This is Dear Analyst, episode number 31. And today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a Google Apps script that I wrote recently to sync data from Google Sheets to Coda, and then from Coda to Google Sheets. So this is going to be a little more focused on scripting, more so than Excel or Google Sheets, and a little more on just how to automate certain workflows in your day-to-day life, um, especially when you're coming from uh, Google Sheets world. So just first of all, disclosure, I I do work for Coda, so just getting that out of the way. Um, but to kick off, what is Google Apps Script? Google Apps Script is kind of like a programming scripting environment within the Google G Suite uh, ecosystem, and it really allows you to connect different parts of your G Suite ecosystem together. So if you want to connect your Google Calendar to Gmail, or if you want to connect your uh, Google Contacts to your Google Tasks, all all these different tools within the Google Suite can be accessed by using uh, Google Apps Script. And these Google Apps Scripts, they can be standalone, where they're just connecting different apps together, or they can be attached to your different uh, app. So they can be attached to your Gmail, they can be attached to your Google Sheets. Um, but for our purposes and for most of my workflows and use cases, I'm using Google Sheets and trying to connect Google Sheets to other other platforms. And so I I linked to the the full blog post. It's actually a published Coda doc where I talk about the the uh, the, the script. Uh, well, actually, there are two scripts. One is for syncing from Coda to Google Sheets. And the other one is from Google Sheets to Coda. But I put instructions in the the blog post about how to actually use this script and also some of the roadblocks and challenges and discoveries I made along the way. So I'll kind of walk you through how I created this script, what kind of things I thought about, and also kind of like why why you should even want to use this in the first place. So I, I think I'll actually start off with the use cases because people are probably like, why do I even care? Why do I want to sync my data from one place or the other? And why do I why do I even want to go through all the trouble of setting this up if I can have all my data living in a Coda doc or in Google Sheets? So I'm going to start off by saying let's I think there are many times in in cases where you have your data in a Google Sheet, or you have your data in a CoderDoc, and you just want the data from one platform to be synced in the other one. And that may be because of other people using the data, because you have to do certain reporting things, and it's just one of those things where things have to basically stay in sync. And this is kind of like the promise of the cloud, right? So if you update your Google Sheet in one place, you want that to be synced in all other places you might access the Google Sheet. So if you access the Google Sheet on your phone, on a different computer, anywhere you want, you want everything to be synced. And this is kind of the promise of this script is that it keeps your data synced, but specifically between different platforms, not within like the Google ecosystem. So Google Sheets has a really robust API and 
it was actually really t- relatively easy to write these scripts. And let's first talk about why you'd want to sync data from your Google Sheet to, to Coda. So the first example might be because your HR recruiting people operations team has all have all their candidates stored in a Google Sheet. Maybe all these candidates came from an ATS tracking system, such as Greenhouse, or maybe even like a LinkedIn dump. And you have all these candidates stored in a Google Sheet with all the proper columns. Maybe you have some formulas in there. But now it's time for your uh, your team to actually start moving these candidates through the candidate funnel and doing interviews and hiring them and giving feedback and using a Google sheet sometimes can be a little cumbersome because now you're building filter views, uh, off of the Google sheet. There's multiple tabs you have to open up. Maybe you want to send an email to people and those kind of things may not be that easy to do in the Google sheet. Now, of course, like I said, in the beginning, you could write an app, Google app script to perhaps automatically send an email to the candidate or to your team once the candidate has moved through the pipeline. And you can use that, use Google Apps Script, but then you have to write that script to connect your <clears throat> Google Sheets to Gmail and making sure all the authentication is done correctly, when all that can be done pretty simply in a Coda doc. Uh, so there is a coordinating candidates, coordinating candidates template where once you have all the data put into a table, the, the template allows you to visualize data in many different ways, such as like a Trello Kanban board where you can move candidates from one stage of the funnel to the next. You can have different sections and pages just for recruiters and the coordinators, and you can have more long form content in the doc so that people can see what they need to do in order to move candidates through the funnel. So that's one of the use cases where you want to have data from Google Sheets go into CodaDoc so that you can move interview candidates and move them through the funnel easily without having to constantly step on each other's toes in the Google Sheet. Another example is if you, a little more kind of on the corporate side is if you want to create an enterprise resource planning platform and there's a template reference in the blog post that talks about how you can merge e-commerce with ERP. And you may have a situation where you have all of your company's orders, customers, purchase orders, all in different tabs in Google Sheets. And maybe those tabs get updated from your Shopify store or from whatever e-commerce platform you're using. But in order to actually manage the, the inventory, in order to manage the shipping, the receiving, and all these different things about your business, you are setting up many more different Google Sheets, many more tabs in your Google Sheets. And you have to connect the data from those tabs that are dumps from Shopify or whatever e-commerce platform. And then having a way to move data from sheet to sheet or from tab to tab because you want to perhaps create a report about all the all today's inventory. And it may get pretty messy really quick because you have all these different tables of data stored in the Google Sheets in different tabs. So there, there is also a template for e-commerce CRP in, in Coda where you can have different pages represent all these different aspects of your business. And you can view the data and conditionally format and then also report on this data really easily without having to uh, have like so many different tabs 
kind of scrunched together on your Google Sheet. And so here's another example where you have all the raw data in Google Sheet, but you want to actually turn that data actionable and be able to collaborate on that data with your team where you want to be able to push out shipping orders, purchase orders, uh, track inventory, and be able to move inventory from place to place. That's where you can use uh, Coda a little more for that use case. The final feed, final use case is tracking customer feedback. Pretty common with software applications where you want to quickly get feedback from Zendesk or Intercom, and all this data could get stored into a Google Sheet or exported into a CSV, which then goes into a Google Sheet. But then you want to actually take action on that data. And again, I mentioned earlier, you could write a Google Apps script to connect your Google Sheet to Gmail, but then there's a lot more complexity with that. But instead, if you just sync all the data from Google Sheets into Coda, you could have all the customer feedback data in Coda as in one big table, and then you can record, analyze the feedback, and more importantly, reply back to the feedback because if you have the user's or customer's email address in the main table, you can have a button set up where it simply emails the customer with their with an answer to their feedback and maybe let them know that, hey, we're working on this all within one Coda doc without ever having to leave to go to Gmail you know, putting in the email content and the subject line, email address, all that is handled through a simple button that performs an action for you after you press the button. So those are some pretty simple to advance examples of where you'd want to sync data from Google Sheets into Coda. Now, how about from Coda into Google Sheets? And I think this scenario, these use cases are probably may ring home true to more of you out there who are working in more traditional environments, traditional companies. You're still using a lot of Excel files, still using Google, maybe using Google Sheets. And here are some examples for moving data from Coda to Google Sheets, but rather keeping the data synced from Coda to Google Sheets. If you work with a lot of third-party vendors, your vendors may not be using Coda yet. They may not be signed up, but you need to have all your vendor data for your third party in a Google Sheet because that's the format they prefer. That's how all of their downstream systems uh, build off of that Google Sheet for whatever reason. So you would want to basically shoot data from Coda to Google Sheets on a daily basis or hourly basis so that your vendor has the latest information from your business about you know, what the, whatever, maybe you were working with a third-party shipping vendor, you want to send all your orders to to your vendor without having to copy and paste the, uh, from your Coda Docs to your Google Sheet. You just have this sync set up so that the data automatically gets synced from your Coda Doc to the Google Sheet. The second use case for syncing data out from Coda to Google Sheets is having a, a kind of like a mini database backup. Google Sheets definitely can handle and store a lot more data than than Coda and having it be really easily usable. Uh, I think Coda, after like five or then five or ten thousand rows, starts to slow down a bit and may not be ideal. But this is also a performance issue that the team is working on. But for all intents and purposes, sometimes people like having a Google Sheets that's kind of like their internal database for their team. So every quarter, every month, maybe your Coda doc is getting too big. So in order to back up the data, you can 
sync data from your CodoDoc to Google Sheets. And then once that sync is done, you can go into your CodoDoc and delete all the rows that pertain to that given quarter or that, that month. So that you, don't, you don't have all this data bloating your doc. So you can keep your doc running smooth and quickly. The final use case is, again, more for traditional companies that are used to using Excel and Google Sheets is you have a finance and accounting compliance department who are all using Excel to do month and closing, month and closes, to do all their internal reporting for taxes. And they, of course, need to see data in a spreadsheet or an Excel file, or sorry, Excel, Excel spreadsheet or Google Sheets file. And so if you are actively managing your team's business, your, your team's workflows in Coda, and you need to report on some of your your metrics and KPIs to finance and accounting for them to do forecasting and reporting, you can sync data from your code doc to Google Sheets. And then the finance and accounting team can always have an updated view on what your business is doing because um, they are kind of like your business partner. And they can also, of course, export the data from Google Sheets into CSV Excel for further downstream analysis. And so this is a way for you to have to, for, for you to not have to constantly copy and paste from your code doc to Google Sheets so that your finance and accounting team can stay up to date on your whereabouts. So those are the three, well, I guess six use cases for syncing data from Coda to Google Sheets and from Google Sheets to Coda. And now I'm going to talk a little bit more about how the, the script itself. Uh, I'm not going to walk through the entire blog post, but some high level things about these scripts is that they really utilize this notion of a Coda source row URL. So unlike Google Sheets, every single row in Coda, every single row in a Coda table has a unique row identifier. Now, if you're coming from the world of Google Sheets or Excel, and you want to create a unique ID for your table data, typically that might be a customer ID, a customer email address. But sometimes if you're working with like a bunch of stats, you may not have a unique identifier for that row. And so what, I, what I've done in the past and what I still see people do is they'll combine multiple columns, literally just do, you know, column A, ampersand, column B, ampersand, column C. And that will be kind of like the unique identifier because you're kind of combining all these different values from the columns to make a unique, unique identifier. And the problem with that scenario is that it may not be that unique over time because maybe there might be three columns of data that have the same data. And so that, then you're not having a unique unique ID. Uh, another problem is that uh, you the data can, can just be really long. And so you might be doing a lookup on like a really long value. So that might not be the most ideal situation. Um, a common workaround I've seen also is people just create, literally just create an ID column where it's just like incrementing by one every single row. So you have like one through a thousand or whatever. And so these are all different workarounds to get a unique row ID in Google Sheets or Excel. In Coda, in a table in Coda, every single row automatically comes with a unique row identifier, which isn't visible in the table itself, but is, is accessible through the Coda API. And so when you sync data from Coda to Google Sheets, the Google Sheets, you'll have to put a extra blank column called Coda source row URL or Coda row URL, whatever. And the script will actually take the unique row identifier, which is a, a URL 
from Coda and put it into the Google Sheets column for this row URL. So you'll always have a unique row URL in Google Sheets that goes back to the unique row in Coda. And this is really important for the script because it makes it super easy to figure out which rows need updating, which rows have been added, which rows have been deleted. And in the script, I use this URL to basically figure out how to do all this updating, deleting, and adding of rows because I have a unique row identifier to look at for syncing from Coda to Google Sheets. Now from Google Sheets to Coda, it's a little more tricky because there is, again, no native row identifier in Google Sheets. And so I actually, what I do is I tell in the script, you have to still create an extra column in your Google Sheets with the row URL. And then what happens is once Coda starts syncing data from, or once the script, Google Apps script, starts syncing data from Google Sheets to Coda, the once the, the sync happens, it's gonna copy back the row URLs from Coda into Google Sheets. And these are new row URLs that you create on the fly with the, with the app script. So just like a little, a little bit of kind of a manipulation of data there, but that's kind of the power of using Google Apps Script. So that's, uh, it's really one of those neat things about being able to, to automate a lot of these workflows in, um, with these scripts. And I'm trying to look through here to see if there's anything else of importance. I mean, most of this stuff is again written in the, the blog post, uh, I'm just trying to look through the script here to see if there's anything that was interesting. One thing that I've, <clears throat> one thing, one little workaround that I found in order to figure out whether or not you have edit access to the Google Sheet. So if you don't have one of the main options in the, in the Google Sheets to Coda script is you can actually not use the Coda row URL to figure out like which rows need updating in Coda, which rows need to be deleted and added. Instead, every single time the script runs, it looks at, it obviously has all the data from Google Sheets, but then in Coda, it deletes the entire table in Coda, your target table, and then replaces that with all the information from Google Sheets. So every single sync, it's like an entire deletion in Coda, then an entire kind of like copy and paste into Coda. Not the most efficient uh, process, but, the reason why I had to do this is if you don't have edit access to the Google Sheet, then there's no way for the script to create and put a value for the Coda source URL from Coda into the Google Sheet because you don't have edit access, you only have view access. So therefore the only default behavior has to be you delete all the data in Coda and then replace it with the data in Google Sheets. And the way to figure this out is I found with the Google Sheets API, there is a uh, add editor function. And what this add editor function does in Google Sheets is it basically adds an editor to Google Sheets. It's, it's already, it's in the name. So if I, want to, if I want to add an email address or a user to have edit access to Google Sheet, I can use spreadsheet.addEditor plus the user's email address and then that will add that person's user uh, email to the editors of that Google Sheet. Now what happens is in the script is the script will try to run this command, which is adding an editor to the Google Sheet. And if the command comes back with an error, it automatically will set 
the option in the script to rewrite the entire coder table, which is like delete the coder table, replace it, will automatically set that to true so that you don't even go through this process of like trying to write the code source row URL to Google Sheets. Now, what happens if you can, what happens if the command can actually add you as an editor to the Google Sheet? Well, you are already an editor of the Google Sheet, so nothing actually happens. You're not like adding a brand random user to the Google Sheet, you're just adding yourself and you are already an editor on the Sheet, so nothing really happens. But the important thing is that the option to rewrite the entire entire coder table stays false, so that it goes through, so that it copies over the source row URL to Google Sheets, so that it uses that source row source row URL as the unique identifier to basically do all the syncing between Google Sheets and and Coda. Um, and that's I think that's kind of the main the main things I want to talk about in terms of the script. The only other thing I want to mention, and this is a pretty, actually two more things that I want to mention in terms of the script is that most of the work when I was writing the script out was actually spent just data munging. And what that means is like the model in Google Sheets, data model from Google Sheets when you use the API is different from the model in Coda when you use the API. So in Google Sheets, the data model is a lot easier. You literally just have an array uh, when you when you want to pull let's say you want to get the list of data from Google Sheets via the API what happens is when you you when you retrieve the data from Google Sheets it's just an array of of rows uh, so each each element in the array each element in the array is just a mapping of like number <clears throat> I believe it's from number number to column value. So the first element in the array would be like zero is like the first column name, one is the second column, two is the third column, the second column, and then each six, each element in the array is just another row in the Google Sheets. Now in Coda, the model is completely different. So in Coda, what you have is if I remember correctly, it is you have a body object, and then within the body object, you have a just double check to make sure I'm not saying something crazy here. So you have, yeah, so you have a body object within the body object, you have a cells object, and then <clears throat> within this, within the cells, the cells is actually an individual, the cell object represents one row. Encoda. And then within each cell object, <clears throat> you also have an element for each column in that row. So for each column in that cells object, you have a mapping of from column to column name, and then value to the actual, it's a key, it's a key value pairing of column to column name, and then value to the actual value in the column. So long story short, most of the time I was most of the time of writing the script I was just spent kind of trying to make sure that the arrays of data in Google Sheets are mapping to Coda and like doing transformations between Coda and Google Sheets. And I think that this type of transformation is probably pretty common across all different types of integrations when you're trying to merge Google Sheets with other applications beyond Coda. 
So I wouldn't say this is a very unique problem to solve, but I just wanted, I was really key on solving it just for these scripts because of how many people I've seen wanting to be able to sync data between their Coda docs and Google Sheets. The last thing I wanted to mention is this, having these scripts brings up some interesting um, ideas about how you should actually be storing your data. So for instance, I mentioned as one of the use cases for syncing from Coda to Google Sheets is that you may want to use Google Sheets as your core backup for all your data. And the danger of that is if you decide to do, if you decide to have a lot of data being synced to Google Sheets over time, that Google Sheets file could also get really big and unwieldy. And you might have a situation where you have over a million rows in Google Sheets, and then the Google Sheets ends up becoming unusable because it has it's overloaded with data. And I mentioned this, I think, in the near the end of the blog post is thinking about for your team, yes, having the data in a coda table, yes, having the data in Google Sheets is really easy because you can see it, you can manipulate it, you can kind of play with the values. But there probably comes a time when you have too much data and it makes sense to move the data off of Google Sheets and Coda and into a proper like MySQL database. Um, and if you're using Google Sheets, I'd recommend actually just moving your data into uh, uh, Google BigQuery, which is Google's like kind of um, cloud offering for having like a, man a big managed uh, database in the cloud. And the really neat thing about BigQuery is that you can actually use queries write formulas in Google Sheets that query your BigQuery tables. And obviously Google BigQuery, the tables are much more, you can store like millions and millions of rows, much easier to, much so much faster and quicker than Google Sheets. The problem is that it's not visual and you can't really see all the data like you can in Google Sheets and easily edit the data like you can in Google Sheets. But um, there comes a time when your internal team's data and I'm talking about data that's like not super, it may or may not be business critical. Like if you have customer information, customer usage information, that's obviously probably being stored in the database, but there may be information like, you know, tasks for your team projects or uh, different actions your team is taking for candidates, for hiring and for HR. The, those data can, that data can start getting pretty long and it's up to you and your IT team to figure out when is it the right time to move data from Google Sheets and Coda and into, into a more robust actual database platform like MySQL and products like Google BigQuery. So that's the kind of rundown on the Google app scripts and had a real, actually it was kind of fun writing the script because over time, at first I thought I couldn't do it. And then over time, as I was writing, I was like, oh, it's actually not that bad. And then I started getting comfortable using the Google app script environment. And it was actually kind of fun to see how the data can just quickly flow between all these different platforms and being able to use the API to connect data together was, was pretty fun and pretty powerful to do. All right, so I'm in the second half of this episode, I wanna talk about two podcasts that I listened to recently that I would like to bring up. The first one, actually speaking of, of Google Sheets, this is right down the alley of when to use Google Sheets versus other platforms. 
So in episode 25 of the Visual Developers Podcast, it was all about Sheets versus Coda versus Airtable. <clears throat> and this was probably one of my favorite podcasts about no code, about Google Sheets. And around minute one hour and 15, near the end of the episode, uh, Ben and Matt and the team talk about how if you want to become like a no-code master, just learn how to use spreadsheet formulas. I think I can speak from personal experience here is that when I first learned Excel and Google Sheets, I just thought like I'm just doing my job in terms of doing data analysis in a spreadsheet or Google Sheet. Um, but over time, when I started picking up other platforms, other kind of quote-unquote no-code platforms, I realized how most of them were kind of using similar patterns from the knowledge I learned in Google Sheets and Excel. You're using if statements, you're using lookups to find data, you're doing a bunch of data and text manipulation to maybe trim off certain characters from the data, uh, all these different things and different patterns of creating formulas. These were all things I see in, in other platforms, including Google, including Coda. Um, and also started applying to even programming a little bit with uh, JavaScript. And for people, I think in the episode, they talk about how people say they know Excel, but until you can learn the formulas and learn all the nuances about text manipulation and data manipulation, uh, you, you won't really see the power of Excel until you kind of explore these functions and formulas. And it gives you such a good foundation when it, with, with moving to other platforms that require you to know how to play with data, manipulate it, and ultimately like display it, report it, visualize it. And all of those start with understanding how to use Excel and Google Sheets formulas. And so if you want to be able to play with data, play with a no-code platform and be able to manipulate data, knowing how to use Google Sheets and Excel kind of for more of their intermediate to advanced features would really push you a long way. There, there are over a billion spreadsheet Excel users in the world. I would argue most people, I've mentioned this in previous episodes, most people are using spreadsheets to simply keep track of data and keep track and keep lists of data. But that's not really a unique aspect of Excel and Google Sheets. You can kind of do that with even like a table in a Google Doc, for instance. But the power is really with using simple formulas. And the key thing about Excel and Google Sheets formulas, unlike programming and some no-code platforms, is that you can quickly see the result of the formula and see the result of the formula change as you are changing the underlying values, changing the formulas. And it makes it much easier, in my opinion, to learn how to write these formulas and learn how to manipulate data when you can see this in real time in in a Excel file or Google Sheet. That's why I recommend some people, I think, to make their Excel file run faster. I'm not sure if you can do this in Google Sheets, but you can turn off turn off auto calculations. And all that does is that I think you have to press, I think it's F5 or F9. Every every time you write a formula, it doesn't actually calculate and output the value. You have to press F5 or F9 to actually execute the calculation, which in my opinion kind of like defeats the purpose of having a spreadsheet formula because you want to be able to see the real-time result. But I think some people do that because they just want to make their file run a little faster. The spreadsheet formulas also can 
give you some insight again into how to write the Google Apps Script, which is kind of the topic of, of this episode. So many of the formulas that you can use in Google Sheets now are starting to mimic what you can do in Google Apps Script and in JavaScript. And even in SQL, like you can use the query formula now in Google Sheets. And when I first learned Google Sheets back in like, when it first came out, actually like in 2006 or seven, like it could do the basics of what Excel can do, but now you can do so much more, including writing SQL-like queries in Google Sheets. You can write queries to query your, query, to query your uh, Google BigQuery tables, a lot more advanced things you can do. And the more you can learn this stuff, the better it will get with building on other platforms that require you to know how to play with data. And if you listened to the last episode, episode 30, you would have, you would have found that the uh, most people in their current roles wish they had learned more Google Sheets data analysis in high school versus traditional topics like geometry, calculus, and trigonometry. So give that episode a listen, episode 25 on the Visual Developers Podcast. The next episode, kind of taking a little bit of a left turn here, is the Jocko Podcast, number 226, the code, the evaluation, the protocols, the path with David Burke. And around minute uh, one hour and 50, I really appreciated how they talked about in the, they're, most of the episode they're talking about um, the a book on how Marines should basically perform, behave, things they should know for their lives. And one thing they talk about around this time in the podcast episode is a scale of one through five, I believe, or one through seven, where they say that if you are a Marine who just does the basic qualifications to be a Marine, to basically stay in the Marine Corps, you are a one in the eyes of like team leaders and drill sergeants or whatever. And they make the point that a lot of people will say, oh, if you're average, if you're doing your job, you should be like a three on a scale of one to five. Like a one should be like you're underperforming. But in the Marines, they say one is like just a simple, av- that's like basically like you're doing enough to get by. Like there's no such thing as like, if you're not doing your job, you're just basically not a Marine, you're out. So if you're just doing the basic qualifications, you're basically doing the average work, you're a one. And Jocko, <clears throat> And Echo Charles are talking about applying this scale to working out. What if you could apply this scale to how hard you're lifting in the weight room? And I, they start talking about how, like, most of the times, you know, they actually are just doing a one workout where you're just kind of going in there, going through the motions, doing the same workouts, doing the same ways. You're just trying to maintain your muscles. You're trying to maintain your fitness. And that's kind of like a one workout. You're just doing enough to be basic and average and qualify to say that you worked out. Now, there are situations where you want to push yourself, you want to really increase the hypertrophy or just increase your muscle mass, and then you're pushing yourself to like a three, a four, if you're really killing yourself, a five. And I think for a lot of people, just saying that I can be a one is like enough where it's like, hey, I want to learn a new, a new instrument. I want to learn a new skill. If I just put in like five minutes a day, that's like the average I need to, to do to get the work done. But what they're arguing is that 
if you are always training as a one, you'll always be a one. And you're never going to move past to two, three, four, or five. And I found that to be interesting because I wanted to, I mean, this is a shout out for Peloton. Um, recently, I recently purchased Peloton for, for working out and for just getting cardio in and really loving the bike. And the thing with the Peloton is that everything is numbers driven, which I really like because you can quickly see at the end of your, your workout, whether or not you hit your average, you went above your average, everything is laid out very clearly for you to see. And it's like sometimes disheartening, but also sometimes very encouraging because when I go past my numbers, my average, I'm like, oh, awesome. I knew I did a great workout. And the way I know this is in Peloton, you have the option to take this test and it's called the FTP test. And the FTP test stands for functional threshold power. And it's the measure of the best average power output you could sustain for one hour on the bike. And so the test is done on the on Peloton, obviously, and they track your scores. And I think my first test, I've only done it once. I think it's like a 137, which actually I think is pretty low when I looked at some other numbers. But the important thing is that now I have this baseline of knowing what my FTP score is. And every single workout after that test, I'm always comparing to that FTP score. And so if I see that my FTP, my workout, my FTP for a given ride is around 137, I'm like, man, I just did the average there. That sucked. Like I, okay, I just put in the work. I, I just went in and just kind of like did the did my thing. And I just did what I, I did as for an average workout. I didn't push myself. And the whole point of this FTP number is that you're supposed to be increasing over time. And so I feel that if I'm not going above that 137, I'm kind of like, well, I mean, I'm not, there are certain, there's one mind, there's one mode of thinking saying, well, if you're just going to put in the average workout and just hit that 137, then why do a workout at all? In the podcast, they say, this is like, you might as well just be a zero. Um, you should only go in if you're going to be doing like 150, 145, whatever, you're going to be doing a two, three, four. Those are the ones that where your body is changing, you're pushing yourself, things are happening. And so having that number, at least for me on the Peloton, has been really enlightening because now I can quickly see whether or not I'm doing an average workout, which is like, okay, my mind, I'm like, okay, I did the work. I'm like, maybe got some cardio, but if I really want to change my body and push myself and improve, the keyword being improve, I have to go above that 137. And that's what I really love. I mean, big shout out for Peloton for having all these numbers out. It makes it super easy to figure out whether or not you're kind of being average or whether or not um, you are really improving on in terms of your uh, functional capacity. So that, just some things to think about for your own home workouts. Are you just going through the motions? Are you just kind of doing the same 30-minute you know, high-intensity training workout and feeling the same and not burning as much? Um, would highly encourage you to maybe get a heart rate monitor or some kind of uh, – device that helps you track what you're actually doing so that you can see see if your performance is improving from day to day um, while you're doing your at-home quarantine workouts. So that is the end of this episode. Um, definitely read the show notes for all the blog posts and the extra podcasts that I mentioned. 
and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you.